Welcome to the Fanboy Planet Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 6th. I think we're the 6th. We are. Uh, it's a strange week for us because, of course, in the United States it's Labor Day and comics don't actually come out till tomorrow, the 7th. So the shelves are bare. We're like some sort of Dickens novel of comic book stores here at Fanboy Planet. That's <laughs> Fanboy Planet at 2725 El Camino Real, Suite 105, Santa Clara, California, 95051. And the phone number is 408-244-2683. Call Steve for all your comic needs. I'm, of course, Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of Fanboy Planet. Uh, across the table from me tonight is uh, Fanboy Planet writer Mario Anima and Moron Life. That's Moron Life. I, I, I wish I could pronounce that correctly in a way that would get the true... You just you, you pronounce it. Moronicness of it out. But great. Lon Lopez. Uh, <laughs> Who thinks that he actually works for a different website, but I think he's doing more work for us right Currently, now than he has yes. been for more on life. So he's really a fanboy planet staffer. I'm just a fanboy. And we've yes. got our uh, we've got our sound engineer, Rick Brett Schneidner. Yes, Rick. I have mispronounced that horribly. <laughs> the man who without I said him, Rick. Well yeah. without him, none of this would be possible to this level. Well certainly not in <laughs> st- certainly not in stereo. Yes, yes. We'd be huddled around a little tiny digital recorder <laughs> and instead we may be traveling through time if he hits the right switch. So, uh, let's begin. We still... Uh, did you have a new a new verse to the theme song, Long? Oh, I didn't. Oh, okay, uh, we'll that's all right. just have to loop the one from last week. Okay, Sorry. No, no, let's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get right on that one. Yes. Well, let's find new ways to offend people, oh, all right? So, is that Working recycling? So... <laughs> <laughs> Let's begin, shall we, with uh, topics in earnest. Of course, we've got a milestone coming up in the next few weeks. I'm actually actually not sure when it's coming up, but it's one of the few Marvel books that is on schedule mm. and still That's a milestone. A yes, you know, I remember when Marvel books were on schedule. Oh, that was the good. It was days. a different time. Yeah, uh, I remember when Marvel books were before good. the Civil War. Oh, before oh, go. Antibellum. He went, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there we go. That's right. The Astonishing Antebellum Man was uh, my favorite before the Civil War. Okay, that was an intellectual pun. Anyway, wow. and I used it on the site, nobody laughed then either. But the actual uh, milestone is Ultimate Spider-Man 100. Uh, the Ultimate Universe turns 100. Not 100 wow. years old, 100 issues. Uh, they did fudge it a little bit by going uh, pu- by publishing every two weeks, every now and then, mm. so that they could really you know accelerate for this anniversary. They needed the press. Mm. They did, you know, <laughs> because again, they're those poor, poor Marvelites. Uh, I, be- I believe I haven't actually read anything on this, but it was mentioned in my podcast from LA a few weeks ago that there is a uh, retailer in Berkeley who is going to maybe Steve can knows who who is it Brian Hibbs is that right Brian Hibbs of the Comic Experience. Who said that sure. if if ultimate? Thank you, Steve. If ultimate spider, <laughs> we're a wealth of knowledge here. <laughs> <at fanboy laughs> okay, his, his shirt's not the only thing that's tie dyed. Anyway, um, <laughs> yes, that if ultimate Spider-Man reached a hundred, he would eat a bug. Mm. So uh, I believe be that he's spider? going to be. Uh, well, I don't know. Oh, okay. Spiders eat back. I think he. So uh, Brian Hibbs is likely to be eating a bug soon. Uh, they did reach a hundred, and to celebrate the fact that they were uh, reaching issue one hundred, not only were they reaching issue one hundred, they were doing it by retelling the Clone Saga in a way that people actually, actually liked. Ooh. Or like, let's say it's, it's ongoing. We're still in the middle of it. We still don't know exactly what's going on, but it's really cool. And uh, and then shortly after that, so we say issue, I believe it was 103, uh, artist Mark Bagley will actually be leaving. So they will break the record for longest running creative team on a comic book in history. 
previously held by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby on Fantastic Four. They made it to 102. Yeah, and if you're going to break a record, I mean, in this industry, to break it from Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, the two greats, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. That's, that's you know, but stuff. Lee and Kirby did do it the hard way, which was actually to uh, do it on a monthly basis instead of True. every you know, t- yeah. two weeks. So they didn't technically work as long, and I well, don't think they did as many annuals, but it's close enough. Have an asterisk by the record books. Right. So so let, me, say, let me let me understand. It's certainly more honest than if, Barry Bonds. If I'm reading you correctly, are you su- are you suggesting that there may be juice involved? Oh, I, yeah. I believe there may be. When Brian Michael Bendis is the, well, let's face well, it, there's, there's, there's Jews involved. There's, yeah, there's Jews involved. Jews involved. Okay. Yeah, Jews. Okay. And that's not offensive. That's a joke Brian would make. All right. So there we go. Honestly. <laughs> really, <laughs> really. Send your angry email to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Send your uh, kindness to Banky177 yeah. at Yahoo.com because Mario really needs the needs the support Maybe, and love. Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, any comments beyond that? I, just, I think it's, uh, you know, uh, one of the more consistent titles that Marvel keeps putting out is, uh, you know, The Ultimate Spider-Man. I think it's a really good book. Um, I've, I've come back a couple issues, but from, you know, I was hooked from the very beginning. Good Good title. They make a really great team, so I think it's you know it's well deserved accolades to their mm-hmm. record breaking. And it's also impressive when you think that all the other Ultimate titles, if they're not miniseries, if they're ongoing, seem to change creative teams. Sure, yeah, yeah. like every ten, twelve issues. Uh, Ultimate Fantastic Four is Ultimate starting right now mm-hmm. with a new team, Mike Carey, and I can't remember who the artist is. Where. Basically, they're crossing the Fantastic Four with um, the Forever People. I don't know if anybody's noticed that it's actually uh, Jack Kirby's Forever People from DC. Oh, wow. That are the villains of, of Ultimate Fantastic Four right now. Hmm. Uh, and, yeah, Ultimate X-Men has gone through several creative team changes. So this is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's longer than Brian Michael Bendis's effort on Daredevil, which uh, many people thought was really a hallmark of stick to it in this great... Uh, Great arcs and, and a large master plan. And yeah. as far as I know, at this point, Brian Michael Bendis is still going to stay in Ultimate Spider-Man, just with a new artist. Yeah, because it's hard to imagine anybody else writing that character right now, okay. knowing right. it as well. And yet, let's be honest at this table: how many of us thought that this was a bad idea when it started? I, uh, I did, mm. and I still kind of do not like the Ultimate Universe myself. But I'm not a big fan. Sorry to cut you off. I'm not a big fan of the Ultimate Universe. And I thought it was a bad idea in the beginning, but I will say that the early issues won me over. And I was like, wow, this could work. Of Ultimate Spider-Man. Wasn't sure on Ultimate X-Men, not sure on the Ultimates, but it was one of those where I thought it really got back to the core of what Spider-Man was. Peter Parker, you know, being the geeky kid, finding these powers. I thought it was really well told. The art, I thought, was perfect for what it was. It had a, a almost a, a childlike uh, kind of... Uh, Draw to it or appeal to it, so I, I definitely it, it won me over. Okay, so but just Ultimate Spider-Man. And speaking of getting to the core, one thing we we didn't jot down is last week on the internet a cover from a nameless Spider-Man issue was leaked with Peter Parker in a torn-up Spider-Man suit clutching a tombstone. The plot thickens, and there's a name on that tombstone. Are we going to release it tonight? Or? I don't know. I'm, I'm, lo- I'm, I'm trying to read Rick's face. Does Rick know? And I don't want to totally ruin it for him. Not, not yes. Not no. No, don't release it. Well, but who would you think it? He's clutching a tombstone. He's clutching a tombstone. And Joe Casada has claimed it's all kinds of things that we were mistaken. It might be Peter Porker. 
spectacular spider ham. Nice. That was fun. that would be a this twist. That was my first guess. It was the corpse yeah. of Peter Porker what touching up? a tombstone and and eating a piece of bacon. And <laughs> so no. So one of the things that fanboys who are really tuned in are dreading uh, looks like it's going to happen. And so uh, you can speculate because Rick doesn't want to know. Sorry, go ahead. He doesn't. <laughs> He doesn't want to cover it. Okay. It's one of the evils of doing yes, this. Yes, he is clutching the tombstone <laughs> of Mary Jane. Yes. Wait, he's getting high? Oh, you mean his girlfriend, Mary. Sorry. Bad Wow. You know, I steal the Barry Bond line from That was my joke. I had a good Barry Bond joke. And then, that's how you get back to me. Well, yeah, I was, I was actually going to go the other way and do a Hank Aaron joke, but then you went right for the Barry Bonds. Oh, okay. It's over. Well, it is. It's over well, it's over. What's your take on this? I mean, that... I, I'm I'm yeah. done with Spider-Man at this point. I have been dreading this anyway. since the since I'm actually enjoying yeah, Peter David's work on Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Uh, I was having fun yeah, with yeah, it sure. uh, when he brought Ben Par- an alternate future Ben Parker, yeah. and the suit uh, the future Spider-Man, the future uh, Green Goblin. Uh, there was some cool stuff going on, and then the Civil War has just like knocked all the coolness off. And though, again, I think Peter David's doing some interesting things right now, still trying to make it all make sense. We say he, he's scrambling. Yeah. I honestly have not been all that happy with J. Michael Straczynski's work for a, for a while. When I thought his original take on everything was really cool, and I've just gotten less and less interested. So well, it just feels it feels like the Spider-Man books in general have had. Make, sort make of meandering directions. Like, it, it, you'll, you'll get a premise that seems to be really interesting and it may start to take off, and then all of a sudden, House of M is going on and things get kind of scattered again. Or, or now with Civil War, you know, you had one direction that, hey, maybe this might gel, maybe this might work, and then all of a sudden, everything else pushes in and mm-hmm. changes everything around. The, the one place I thought that things were sort of starting to sync up was early on in New Avengers and what was going on in Amazing. Mm-hmm. I sort of liked the the use of time and the fact that you could kind of sync things up to a bit. Uh, that I wasn't really impressed with the whole Hydra thing, but it just felt like maybe there was something starting there. And again, it and just now got it's gone. And it's yeah. kind of like what we were talking about last week, um, not on the podcast, but my feeling was once they revealed the whole identity thing, you know, for yeah. Spider-Man, I thought you might as well just start writing the death of Spider-Man because essentially you've killed that character. I mean, not so much... In the you know metaphorical sense or in the in that sense, but what I'm saying is that what other stories are left? I mean, you've pretty much ruined this guy. And yeah, I know it's you know in in dramatic writing you want to you know put your character up a tree and throw rocks at him, but at the same time you know this has turned that corner to where you know it's only it's it's only the downfall now. I mean it's I mean yeah he's going to fight more you know, insurmountable odds, but I mean, we've already read those stories, we've well, already, you know... And to just piggyback on that, I mean, with a character like Daredevil, <laughs> I'll hop on later, oh, okay. um, with a character oh, wow. like Daredevil, it works to do the unmasking, it, it to an extent, mm-hmm. um, because that character, I think, not to play anything against Parker or Spider-Man, but it works for that character to have to shoulder that burden for some reason. I don't know what the magic mojo is there, but with Spider-Man, you don't want to see him unmasked. At least I didn't. Right. Um, it just didn't seem like something you'd want to cross. And I, I don't know how, what is the the fan community feeling on that. I mean, I'm well. The fan community can, of course, once again write in or check on our message boards. Yes. Uh, I would be very curious to hear. I, yeah. Here we are once again. I mean, it it seems like 
certainly people have been dreading that whole thing. Joe Casada yeah. has been saying that for months, if not years, that he hates the fact that Spider Man's married. Yeah, and so so just give him a divorce. I mean, it's no, you can't. You can't have Spider Man get divorced. I mean, that's a you know. There, I I can't think. Well, no, I can't think of a superhero who is divorced. That would be the Adam. Ray Palmer, and look how that worked out. Mm, well, yeah. but here's the thing. Here, if I may throw this in there, I think that one of the extensions of the pa- Peter Parker character has always been this balancing of a social, dramatic life mm-hmm. with the you know archetype of being a superhero. So what is the natural progression for something to explore? Him being unmasked? Eh, that's, uh, that falls into other categories. But dealing with the trials and travails of love, mm-hmm. albeit through divorce, if, if that's necessary. An affair. Might maybe. be kind of interesting, an affair. An affair. I'm just <laughs> saying that that's one of the things that was, that was the most fun about that character, is seeing the drama play out in his, in his social life mm-hmm. and the inability to hold up both worlds at once. Where realistically you'd have to go, that, that leaked cover, and again, I'm not sure where the community actually, the fan community actually yeah. is on this, uh, is once you have unmasked, I'm sorry, Spider-Man does have way too many enemies that are way yes. too psychotic that will stop yes. at nothing to wipe out his loved ones. Of all the characters, he is the most correct yeah. that his loved ones are in terrible danger once his identity is known. Not just in danger, but very easily accessible. Yes. And, yeah. and then the other thing was, was just, I mean, in the course of the storyline... It just, ha- I mean, to have all these years, I mean, not to go into continuity or anything, but just to have this character be as strong-willed as he is and gone through so much stuff that he had, it seemed like the decision was made in, like, three panels. Mm-hmm. And it just felt, like, so unnatural and such a, you know, just a stunt. Well, he's had a pretty rough year, if you look at it. I mean, the... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah, true. It's amazing, it's amazing that he didn't actually take his mask off then shoot himself in that hand. <laughs> that actually <laughs> would have been interesting. A web spike. <laughs> or you ordered the spike from his hand because he got the spike! Uh, he could have actually used it and impaled himself! I am Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or uh, I was. I was. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the thing with Marvel right now, too, is that they do have the Mar- is it Marvel Adventures Spider-Man mm-hmm. going on. Uh, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. There's all these... All, yeah. yeah. Rick just yeah. points. We've got this shelf of children's comics to Too our right. The and, and, and there we, we have are. baby Spider-Man and, to look forward and to. And there's <laughs> baby Spider-Man to look forward to. Indeed. Uh, and, and you've got Ultimate Spider-Man. So, really, I wonder from a marketing standpoint, and, and I'm not sure of a market share... How important it is to Marvel to to really keep the ongoing of the old continuity Spider-Man going when they can freely rewrite it for Marvel Adventures. They're freely rewriting it for Mary Jane loves or Spider-Man loves Mary Jane, uh, and it's a good book. I mean, if you like, you know, romance, uh, it's a, I mean, it actually is really really yeah, well no, done. it's great. It's w- really well written, and which brings me back to my point. You mm. you brought up the Ultimates. That is one of the reasons why I have never been able to get on board with the Ultimates universe. <clears throat> Specifically because it's sort of carte blanche to rewrite all of these histories and suddenly continuity, the original characters, uh, yes, we've tweaked and twisted and retconned them to, to death in the original you and know, you're timelines. And there's no star brand or night mask. Exactly, I am. Where, <laughs> where are my new the universe heroes? <laughs> They're coming! No, no, oh, no. God. <laughs> But, but that's exactly what I'm getting at, though, is that, you know, if you, you can do that and sort of have leniency when you're dealing with the original timelines, but when you branch off into these other, you know, universes, suddenly you're deflating the importance of what can, is happening. Can you, yeah. be, can you have any personal investment in it and 
without that personal investment, well, do they need us to have that personal yeah. investment? Are we, as, are we as fans obsolete? Go ahead. I had just a side tangent. Speaking of yeah. obsolete. So you Go mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, it is getting ugly. <laughs> but to go back, you just kind of made a quick point, though, too. You said there's these Spider-Man adventures over here, and there's these other Spider-Man books. So if, if everybody's writing all these great Spider-Man stories, why can't they write it into the main continuity yeah. and just write a good story instead of pulling a stunt? You know what I mean? Instead of doing a major thing to push and sell comics, they've got the talent, they've got writers who can write these fun, you know, true true to the character stories. Why do we gotta why do we gotta go to publicity stunt, unmask him and, you know, throw throw his world upside down so he's more exciting to read. I thought he was you know, the way it was, you know, was Well, I mean that brings it if you have a major publicity stunt like that and I'm not talking in the terms of the Marvel universe, I'm talking in the real world when Spider Man got unmasked Howard Stern mentioned it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was on yeah, the cover of the New York Post. And the belief is that drives people in to buy that, to come to comic book stores that haven't been in here and bought them. And that worked with the Civil War. The first issue of Civil War, which was mentioned in the New York Times, they had an interview on Fresh Air with Joe Quesada uh, and I think a couple of other TV shows. They might have even been on Charlie Rose. Not that I, not that I think that's necessarily oh, he's the, big with the, the heights. Right yeah, now, he's yeah. big with the kids. But I mean, that got in adults and sales on Civil War. I think the the circulation was three hundred thousand copies. Yeah. Now, once upon a time, that really sadly wasn't that much uh, because the first issue of X Men, the Jim Lee one, the the Jim Lee X Men in the early nineties, was a million. And of course, you know, back in the day when comics were a dime and nobody cared about them, they were three to four million. I care even about the crappy ones. Yeah, even Scribbly sold about a million. <laughs> and, and who knows the Scribbly today? Mark Wade. Okay, so uh, let's move on. Speaking of, well, I have no really good segue, Scribbly. Scribbly. Uh, <laughs> that uh, I, I'm going to give all due props to, to my man Brad Meltzer we talked about mm. last week. And he's got a book, that, a novel, new novel came out today. He His publicity team emailed me. I like to think he emailed me personally, but I know I'm on a man list. As far as you're concerned. As far as I'm concerned, he did. He invited me to his home. Ignore the... He invited me into Hearth and Home. (laughs) Ignore the do not reply. The fact that that I was CC editor. (laughs) I thought that was some sort of hip thing. CC editor. Mm. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The Book of Fate, which was also the title of a bad DC series in the uh, 90s. But uh, no relation, I'm sure. Actually, is probably books is. Of fate? No, no books, books of, of the magic. Book of, the books of magic, books and of there's magic. a book of fate. There was oh, a, okay. there was, was a Doctor fate. fate. There was yeah. an attempt to uh, revive, but this has nothing to do with yes. it. What this does have to do is it's about a presidential assassination, and Brad Meltzer had input from uh, former President Bush and former okay. President Clinton, who are evidently fans of Brad Meltzer. Uh, so that's kind of weird uh, and cool because I think Brad Meltzer actually if you haven't read his novels he's a damn good novelist really good but one member of this table team was surprised by that shocked and that shocked that would be Lon Lopez because you found something else out today involving Brad Meltzer that Scared the hell out of you. Yeah, please. it was quite frightening, actually. I turned, I was, uh, you know, flipping through CNN like I normally do. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Because it really impresses chicks. Well, you know, yeah. they come over, I flip it on, turn <laughs> off the uh, Cinemax. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> you got CNN on, they have to pay attention to you. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, and on, as a guest, Mel- Meltzer, is that his name? Meltzer. Brad Meltzer, yeah. Meltzer is a guest on Lou Dobbs tonight. And, uh, 
Lou Dobbs, first of all, talks about the Book of Fate, and I wish everybody, all the people at home and everybody else here, could have seen how giddy Lou Dobbs was talking to Brad Meltzer. He is a huge Meltzer fan. I don't know if he knew Meltzer was writing Justice League or if he was actually into comics It at sort all. of feels like it's undercutting all yeah. the impressiveness, though. Yeah. Yeah. Which, but, but, that's what the, but you realize this guy's writing comics. comics. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what's so cool about yeah. him. <laughs> but, uh, so then they start talking about, you know, Meltzer's, I guess, has a lot of uh, politically themed books, and, and, and I guess, you know, Dobbs just keeps talking about how he's such a great writer and blah, blah, blah. But we basically... It's revealed that Meltzer's been either, I don't know, contracted or hired by either the Department of Homeland Security or the, the national government to basically, I guess, join a, a think tank, if you will, to base... And it, even the headline of the ticker underneath was like, you know, uh, government hire, government works with Meltzer to help understand Al-Qaeda. And I was kind of sitting there going, wait a minute, wait, wait, so we're... So basically what it was was fiction writers like Meltzer are being brought in to come up with possible scenarios this and program, threats. Yeah, this program has been in place for several years. I don't know if it, was, if it predated 9-11 uh, or if it was in response to that, but mm. yeah, a lot of Hollywood writers... Uh, but So bringing in fiction writers to come up with threats and scenarios so that Homeland Security can find all possible defenses or ways to combat these different things. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, so the guy that's writing the Justice League is pretty much... Uh, dictating our national security in, in a weird way. So I was, it, I just I'm found too that afraid that step three in his plan is call Superman. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, it was avoid conduct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, twelve people got that. Okay. <laughs> That's right. I yes. go for the deep ones. <laughs> Here we go. That was Tell Black Adam that uh, right. <laughs> that Iran is thinking about developing a super soldier. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I'm telling you, Iraq, Iran, Kandak. Exactly. It's the natural. It's the new axis yeah. of evil. <laughs> uh, so it was just a strange. It was a strange thing, and yes, the the comics weren't mentioned at all in the interview, but it was just funny to hear Meltzer talk about. How he would sit in a, basically what the the room was. He said he'd sit in a room with in in one side of the room there'd be a chemist, and the other side of the room there'd be like a CIA guy, and the other side of the room there'd be a geologist. And there's all these different people in this think tank. And basically Meltzer would try to figure out. And he even said they came up with ways to like destroy a major city in ten minutes or something. I earned like really fast. And I was just kind of sitting there like. Okay, are we talking real ways or comic book ways? I mean, what are, you know... <laughs> no, real ways. I, I interviewed Meltzer after he released The Zero Game, which mm-hmm. was his previous novel, uh, and there was... Uh, the MacGuffin in there felt very science fiction-y, and I asked him, I, I said, you know, did you just make this crap up because it, it's, it's scary... But was it, it nanobots? No, no it's okay, not. He's one of the few writers who has not had to yet okay. resort to nanobots oh, as a coming. solution. Every, Every writer uses nanobots. But it was, a form of, it, was, it was essentially a form of alchemy, and yeah. he told me he had researched this and talked to people, and actually, yes, this was possible, a way of creating, uh, I think it was uranium, I can't remember what the base element was, but that, 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 that most countries had some sort of black ops science thing working on trying to make this happen. And it wasn't that far outside of the realm of possibility, and you know, I mean, yeah, it's fiction, and you're glad of that. But you think about it, it's scary as all hell. So why not? Yeah. He's, he's he's a bright man. That's all I, I can say. Yes. Well, I mean, not just a not just a single out Meltzer, who is 
you know, he is very bright. He's a great writer, and I'm a big fan. But um, in general, I think there's something to be said um, to using people working in fiction, writing different, uh, you know, plots, and, you know, especially dealing with, like, different angles on society, looking at society maybe through a different lens than other people are looking at it. I mean, they may not have the knowledge or know-how to, you know, actually put together this complex plot, but they're able to research it and put those pieces together, and that's essentially... I'm not trying to say that he's a terrorist, but, you know, it's sort of just the the, the idea of looking at things from different angles and seeing it from... from But at the same time, doesn't it frighten you that the government doesn't have, and not to get too political, but I'm just saying, though, that we're, we're, Wait, we're hiring Wait, let me stop out. you there. It does frighten me, the government, yes, it does. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but doesn't it frighten you that they can't, I mean, they don't have the ideas on their own, so we're hiring comic book writers to come Consultants up with stuff? in the first place, and then comic book writers. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's just kind of like, wait a minute, you guys were supposed to keep us safe, and now you got the guy who wrote Identity Crisis. Well, we have to we have to put it in some sort of form that the president might be willing to read. Right, come that's on. what I was saying. <laughs> Get this milk <laughs> and if he was reading anything. If we he likes the ones with the pictures. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Seuss passed on ten right. years ago. Uh, oh, the places you'll blow up. Uh-huh. Okay, so... <laughs> Nice. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, and the other thing too. I mean, when 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 we'll be here all week. All right. <laughs> when the leader of the free world approaches these types of things from the perspective of a shipment of kryptonite was hijacked, maybe we should look into it. Well, damn it, that happened to Luther. He was president. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. Don't ruin my fantasy world. <laughs> I have a fantasy that it's real. Oh, lordy, lordy. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving right moving along. along. <laughs> Golly, I feel bad. Mm. Uh, once again, send all your hate mail to <laughs> editor at fanboyplanet.com. All right, and we move on to another farewell. Do we have any other farewells? Well, we were talking earlier about Mark Bagley leaving. Mm-hmm. Another fan favorite and... They're swearing this book is going to go on, but I really can't see how. Brian K. Vaughn, brilliant, bringing uh, Why the Last Man to a close this year. But that's a natural ending. That feels right. However, he is leaving Runaways, which is the best book everyone's reading, but no one's admitting they're reading for some strange reason. So he's running away from Runaways? Uh Well, yeah, what is the the reason? Yeah, no, seriously, what is the reason behind this? Is he being pushed off the book? I don't Does he have too many pro- projects? He may what? have too many projects. I, I think Hollywood has come calling for Why yeah. the Last Ooh, Man, and yeah. I think he was writing the adaptation for that. I do remember. He's got Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Ex Machina, too. Ex Machina. The, the porn He's got, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, sign me up. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. It's Triple X Machina. Yeah, okay, triple Ooh, X Machina. Oh, see, it took us a while to get to the actual funny line, but we got there! So uh, we'll fix that in post-production. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and by we, I mean Rick. So <laughs> anyway. But no, but to, to, to steer this ship back on course, no, it, I can't Why imagine. Yes, uh, I can't even imagine a Runaways without him. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, he's It'd built, be very fake, huh? That's true. It I mean, just doesn't feel like it First Joan Jett left, and then... Yes. Okay. Oh, that was really oh, reasonable. Oh, yeah. oh, it you are definitely dating yourself with that one. I was like, wait, he's writing the black heart? I gotta, no. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta date myself. All well, right. you know. uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's hard to imagine without him. Yeah. I mean, he is so captured. He's one of those few writers, really, that writes teenagers in a believable manner that does not seem 
just embarrassingly out of touch. Well, and with every jump that he's made in that in that book, there mm-hmm. have been some pretty you know surprising left turns here and there. And whenever, I, just when I think I've reached the point where I'm going to no longer continue reading the book, something happens, and he just he he makes it all work so well. And I just don't think that they're going to be able to recreate that without him. I just yeah. don't see it happening. I don't. I don't see myself having the kind of investment in the characters, uh, unless perhaps you know Marvel pulls one of those stunts, gets a famous writer. S. E. Hinton will be taking over. Yeah. Okay. No. Wow. That was going to go over my head. Yeah. The yes. Outsiders. Uh, come on. Come on. It had to be one of the books. One of the three or four books you read in high school. I didn't read any books in oh, high school. Damn it. Sorry. Okay. What uh, was the other book? What was the follow up? Uh, Rumblefish. 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 Oh, yeah. And uh, Tex. Yes, text. Um, I thought this was a comics podcast. No, All right, okay. yeah, uh, but just, <laughs> we try to make ourselves sound as if we could fit in with society oh, at large. Okay, we try. I've seen movies. I've seen <laughs> that did not. I have read spandex. books in elementary <laughs> school. <laughs> I. Uh, I'm not yeah, much of okay. a okay. <laughs> Before we start passing the shotgun around, let's move on. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give a shout out. I think I'm the only person who has read this this week, unfortunately, but I may have a, a spare copy I'm going to pass over to Mario of a graphic novel that is coming out at the end of September called Model Operandi mm-hmm. from After Hours Press, which has a type. Oh, <laughs> yeah, wait. You've got a reaction, a canned yes. reaction, right? I'm, I'm getting it okay. ready. Okay. From After Hours <laughs> Press, which is uh, one of the powers to be, the editors in chief there. Buddy Scalera, who used to write Deadpool, and uh, so he has started independent, and he runs it with uh, Chris Eliopoulos, who wrote, uh, who uh, draws. He's a letterer, isn't he? He's a letterer. He uses the pencils. Franklin Richards, son of a genius, which I think is brilliant. So he had, uh, he's got a book. So this actually uh, involves neither of them, Uh, but it's it's still a really interesting book. It is uh, kind of a spy story. It's if Bruce Tim did softcore porn. There we go. Okay, uh, not as good as the uh, the pre. No, no. Actually, that yes, your your actual mm. off the cuff reaction was was, mm. was good. It felt hungry. It felt. It did. I felt like, you and I was it. hungry. Yes. And I passed Juicy Burger on the way over. Yeah, it looks like it was probably originally intended to be like a three issue miniseries. It was gathered up in this uh, really low priced trade collection of five ninety nine. Hmm. So, really good art and uh, kind of a fluffy little spy story about. Women who are counter-terrorists and counter-agents, and so kind of like Danger Girl. It's kind of like Danger Girl, but, but set in a modeling agency. Wow! And oh. so you can't yeah, decide which is more important: national security or modeling contracts. And so it's kind so of so kind of like VIP with Pamela Anderson. Yeah. You know what? You've, oh, you've, okay. you've, Sorry. you've watched and read too many of these things. <laughs> uh, for me, it's a new thing. That's yeah, my bread and butter. Out. Uh, <laughs> I'm old, Lon. I oh, <laughs> stay up. Late enough to watch like VIP spies. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sure, I'm not <laughs> saying this is anything new, except because there was uh, in the '80s, Eclipse had a series called Fashion in Action yeah. that sort of reminded me of that in concept. Boy, that's really yes. Oh, the encyclopedic mind. Uh, J.K. Snyder the Third drew that, and I believe wrote that as well. Wow. And yet I can't remember the guy who's <laughs> who's actually drawing this book now. And so I apologize. Will be on Jeopardy next but in week. the next in the next week or two, uh, I will have a review up on Fanboy Planet, and I will also have... I, they, they sent me two copies, so I'll be passing this around the editorial office. Great. Uh, which I eat the bathroom. Don't, <laughs> don't pass me his <laughs> copy. <laughs> yeah, Mario gets first dibs. 
but, no uh, seconds from you. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's really fun, it, and and I, I you can't beat the price. I mean, you could. Sounds great. You could, but I uh, but I do I, I really appreciate when something is is reasonably priced. Yes. I appreciate it even more when they send me a review copy. But still, <laughs> when it's reasonably priced and fun... And, and, and it I, delivers. And it delivers, yeah. yeah. It, and, and the art was really, really fun. What's the name again? Uh, model Operandi. Okay. So it's... Keep an eye out it's, Yeah, Clever really cool. Modus and uh, Yes, and tomorrow, of course, we've got uh, some more things. Mystery in Space, Captain Comet Returns from the Dead, mm. along with The Weird. Now, look. That was a cheap shot online. Come on. No, no. <laughs> hey, no, wait that a was second. a hero. That was a strange thing. They got Jim Starlin returning to DC Cosmic Adventures, oh. writing Captain Ooh. Captain Comet, who's a character I love. But I, I figured there had to have been some sort of trade off. Like, if you come back and revive Captain Comet, we will let you revive the Weird. Yeah. Who is yeah. a character who appeared in a four issue miniseries <laughs> in the 80s, written and drawn by Jim Starlin. That was just weird, mm. and aptly titled. And the character died <laughs> in the end. I can't figure it out. I mean, it's interesting enough because I want to know what's gonna what's gonna happen. But actually, I got to say, the Captain Comet story in Mystery Space was was interesting, and I want to see what's what's gonna happen with that. I know that there are JSA characters that are allegedly as old as Adam Blake, Captain Comet, yeah. but he's a weird character. He's fit not. To be confused with the weird, yeah. But he's, he's an odd character. He's an odd character <laughs> in DC continuity because he showed up in the beginning of the Silver Age in the fifties. Had like six or seven stories, I think, in Mystery in Space, and then disappeared. Came back in the seventies in the Secret Society of Supervillains because mm. it had been revealed that he was disgusted with humanity and took a rocket to the stars trying to find people that were more evolutionary advanced upon his level. Came back and was brainwashed or attempted to be brainwashed by the Secret Society of Supervillains. Disappeared again, showed up in Legion, disappeared again. I think he got killed in the Ran Thanagar War, only they decided he wasn't really dead. And That's then, where I saw him. Last yeah, he was okay. in the Ran Thanagar War, just sort of out of the blue. Yeah, yeah he great. just kind of showed up. Because he's guys. one of those, again, which brings the question, you know, why is Superman the world's greatest superhero when you've got characters like Captain Comet, who actually can do everything Superman can do and has telepathy? So... Yes, Ooh. take it to that other level. He knows what you're thinking. <laughs> and yet my spotlight book tomorrow is Jonah Hex, because Jonah Hex uh, teams up with El Diablo, and it was a damn bit of fun. I sat Ooh. sat at a Burger King reading this book with a smile on my face, and it always embarrasses me to be reading a comic book with a grin and try not to get ketchup on it. But so, that is actually, uh, I, that's the ideal place, though. I picture, I don't know if it's just personal history with Jonah Hex and reading Jonah Hex books, but I, it just always seems to be eating and <laughs> eating Jonah Hex. Don't ask really? me why. Yes. Well, that's a long story. Jonah Hex, a book to get fat to. All right. <laughs> so, pound a burger. Pound a burger. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. No, I think we're I, I love Jonah Hex, and uh, but I, I just love what they what uh, these guys have been doing with it. Yeah. It's fun, and each issue is standalone. You can pick it up, and each issue has been damn good Western comics. Yes. So there we go. It is uh, close to our bedtime. No, we have to I have to run off to a screening, and so once again, uh, this we are broadcasting from Fanboy Planet Comics at two seven two five El Camino Real Suite one hundred five Santa Clara California nine five zero five one. 408-244-2683 We're 
four doors down from the Juicy Burger. Mm. So buy your copy of Jonah Hex, get a Juicy Burger. Softcore uh, Juicy <laughs> Burger by Jet Bruce <laughs> Tim. Okay. And so if you have uh, any comments to make, uh, email at editor at fanboyplanet.com or go on to the forums at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. We've got Lon Lopez from moreonlife.com. We've got Mario Anima from hey. fanboyplanet.com. And our sound editor and occasional contributor here, Rick Brettschneider. And in the background occasionally, the dulcet tones of Steve Simonetti. There we go. All right, so talk Have to you next one. week.